Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. Brought to you by MyPlates.com. Upgrade your license plate at MyPlates.com. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, GearHeads. Welcome to Speed City. We have a great show for you tonight. This is John Massengill. Les Kaiser sitting next to me here in the studio. We got Jonathan Green down in New Zealand after he's been covering the Toyota Racing Series that finally wrapped up. Mr. Green, how's it going? How are you? Hi, guys. We're doing awesome, and I know you are because I was following the Toyota Racing Series more so than I ever have. I mean, I've followed every step of the way, and that was unbelievable, the ending. And to how, all the points, it was so close all the way down to the wire. Guys, I think I've just been part of one of the best championships I've ever been part of, and that's saying something after 25 years of doing this. Um, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It was the closest championship we've had in the 13-year history of the Toyota Racing Series, um, and it came down to the last race, which is the 62nd um, New Zealand Grand Prix. But that's what um, we wanted. And, of course... I, exactly how you wanted it and also most of the races we have are 15 or 20 laps the grand prix is 35 so effectively they're attempting to do two races in one um for the first time and for most of these youngsters it's the longest race they've ever been part of so mentally physically really exhausting bright hot sunshine perfect conditions and as we hit the grid for the grand prix there was one point from first place to second and one place, one point between second and third, which basically uh-huh. meant whoever won, whoever was ahead, it was the perfect sprint race. Whoever was ahead at the end, didn't matter whether they finished 18th or first, won the title. Wow, man, it was it was so much fun to follow this year. I mean, there were so many stories. I mean, everything from uh, the, the the guys that were from the Ferrari Academy in the in Formula One and. Uh, and uh, the Sahara Force India, there were so many cool connections this year. Yeah, I mean, we, to be honest, the talent um, and the competitiveness of this year's championship was second to none. I mean, you know, we got all gooey-eyed about Lance Stroll a couple of years ago and last year Lando Norris, and both of them were excellent. And, of course, their careers have taken off. Lance now about to go into um, Formula One. Um, so it's always been high in the Toyota Racing Series. But just to give you an example, um, first of all, I gave you the points and how close it was. And by the way, that was between um, um, Pedro Piquet, uh, Nelson Piquet's son, um, Richard Bashaw, who you mentioned, who we talked about earlier in the year, the Red Bull Jr. And um, finally, Thomas Randall, who just was in phenomenal form. We'll talk about it in a minute. But just to give you an example, Corey Enders, remember the speed group man? Yeah. Uh, who was trying... 
yeah, he was trying out for the first time, really, in international racing and had the least amount of experience, the man from Houston. Um, but just to give you one example to quote, he was 14th in qualifying, okay? But he was three-tenths off pole. Wow. That is a it's tight pack. Insane. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Well, and and I know that... So, yeah, unbelievably competitive. Well, I know that, uh, I mean, throughout the whole thing that... that we you, they were swapping leaders in the race, and we at one point we were talking Richard for sure, like this guy is going to be the next Max Verstappen. He's unbelievable, and then the other guys just kept staying in the in the hunt with this thing. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, and what happened was you're right. Richard for sure bounced out of the tapes right really early and um, looked really good. And and to be honest, it didn't lose his form. He struggled uh, in the penultimate round at Taupo. And never really recovered um, for whatever reason. Um, and he couldn't put his finger on it either. He was competitive. He was top, top five all the way to the end. Um, but he just couldn't really, um, you know, get a better pace than anybody else. So he remained, I mean, he was, you know, like I said, he was one point off winning the, the whole thing himself. Um, he was, you know, right there in second place at the end. PK was without doubt the most consistent, and I do really feel for Pedro because he really did play it brilliantly. He was very cautious. He never got into trouble. He never actually uh, hit anybody or got a penalty. Um, and he lost out, you know, by one place at the end because the champion was Australia's Thomas Randall, who took third place. Uh, chasing down Armstrong and Daruvula, who won the Grand Prix, the Indian, the Sahara Force India man. Second was uh, New Zealand's uh, Ferrari man. So it was a really fairy tale ending because Thomas Randall um, did a brilliant job. He managed to come back from 12th in race two. We thought it was all over uh, to get up to fourth, which put him on, um, you know, one point uh, behind or one point in front of the others. And it was just an insane. Uh, Grand Prix. It was very clean, not a lot of crashes. Um, really good, though. Uh, we did have one guy flip over, one of the Brazilians. He did a bit of samba on the last corner. But um, other than that, it was a very clean 35-lap race and a real thrill for the Manfield crowd at uh, Palmerston North. Yeah, so it was Thomas Randall, Pedro Piquet, Richard Verschur, who we're talking about, came in third, Marcus Armstrong, Jahan Derubula, and I saw that uh, Ferdinand Habsburg, now, wasn't he, was he the champion last year? No, but it's the third year that Hatsburg's been in it, and he won races last year, um, and he's improved again, and he's going to be racing in the FIA. In fact, he's going to be Norris's teammate uh, at uh, Carlin in the FIA Formula 3 this year, so big year for the young Austrian. Um, and so, yeah, it, it really was a, an amazing tune-up, if you will, for, for the European and international and American season. Uh, Sherwood Blackstock did not have the best of um, years himself, uh, in terms of seasons, I think it was a big eye-opener for him because here's a guy who's already achieved a lot in Indy Lights but found himself midfield here and just never got to grips with the car particularly. Um, but I think he, like um, Kivan Andres and the other American and Corey Enders, have learned a buttload uh, in terms of their racecraft. And I think you will see all of them have really good seasons in America this year. Yeah, you know what? You stole what I was just about to say about Shelby Blackstock. I mean, this, like you said, the point is is that this guy's achieved a lot. He's in Indy Lights. He's moving up the, the road to Indy, the ladder, and goes down to Toyota and struggles a bit. Now, I, I know that's, you know, I know it's just one season and all that, but it's still, it, it goes back to what you said to start with, is that the field 
is full of very talented drivers. And I think that yeah. him, him doing that proves that. Well, he even mentioned it, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago that he was surprised at the level of competition that he walked into. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I do think that, you know, I've said it all along, but, you know, we've had some great success stories um, like Lance Stroll. But I think, you know, you can, the names we've been banding around for the last few weeks for our audience, I think if they start sort of making a mental note and following them, uh, Richard Bashore is going to be teamed up with um, the Hagen, the American, uh, in Europe this year. And I think, you know, like I said, these guys are going to come through. I, I don't take back what I said about Bashore. He was sensational. He's 16. Um, he, he was the he got the rookie prize as well um, at the prize giving. I mean, you know, the guy was on it. So I really do think that. Um, but Randall was in the end a class above them all because he, his racecraft was just better. He he really did keep his head, uh, and his performance in race two was one of the best bit of motor racing I've seen in in a long time. Well, it was really fun to keep up with Jonathan. I, I'm really jealous that you got to go down there this year and do that. And I know, I mean, I know you've done this so many times, but this time just seemed a lot more competitive. And uh, I bet you, the guys, that we see these names a lot. I bet these guys, the way they were, uh, the way the talent seemed, I bet we're going to see a bunch of these guys. So, uh, all right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and take our first break. And one thing I didn't mention at the top of the show: there was IndyCar going on this weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Alexander Rossi had a big crash, um, and now uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. He's fine. But uh, we also, don't forget, we have Jeff Siegel, 24-hour Le Mans winner, Michael Shank racing driver on in, uh, at 7.30 in about 15 minutes. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. Back after a quick break. The 57 Chevy, a Rembrandt painting, the little black dress. When you're a classic, you never go out of style. And now, MyPlates.com proudly announces the return of the classic black Texas license plate for the first time since 1968, featuring a cooler, timeless look, and a bolder style. Visit MyPlates.com today to order this legendary classic black Texas license plate for your car or truck. Classic black is back at MyPlates.com. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know it keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in Dan Easy leathers, the best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at MotoAustin.com. There's nothing like getting on a motorcycle and exploring the hill country for the day. What about taking that bucket list ride of a lifetime to some far-off destination or event? We're here to tell you that you don't have to own a motorcycle because with Lone Star Moto Rentals, you can rent a Ducati, BMW, KTM, or other premium motorcycles. 
visit LoneStarMotoRentals.com. That's LoneStarMotoRentals.com. And come ride. Thanks for making the right choice. I don't know where I would get the truth if it weren't for you. Talk 1370. Hi, I'm Will Hardeman, driver of number 19 WPD More Speed Porsche 991 Cup Car, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. That's Will Hardeman, Austin driver. That's been a cool story. Uh, we'll yeah, have him on again. He's absolutely a phenomenon there, and you know it's really cool. You know, he was uh, part of the Porsche Challenge Group. That uh, gosh, trying to think where they were this past couple of weeks, but uh, they ran out and ran quite a few tests and this was apparently a a grouping of the porsche groups that came together and what they do is they're testing the new car they are uh you know hardeman uh the more speed hardeman team is running a two-car field this year so really uh really looking to shape up and and do a lot of things differently this year and so we're gonna have to check in with uh see what more speed's got going on this year Hey, so why don't we jump into, I want to talk a little uh, motorcycles first today, kind of reverse the order a little bit from what we've been doing. Uh, you know, I'm against that. Motorcycles? <laughs> so uh, well, now that we have Mr. Green fully connected, Jonathan, there's been this uh, this story in World Superbikes, uh, where our friend Nikki Hayden races, and they're talking about reverse grid. And I know you know all about that because you just watched it down in New Zealand at the Toyota Racing Series down there. They use it down there. So tell us a little bit about what they're doing and uh, what do you think about that? Hate it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the word you used the last time I talked to you, but I guess you really can't use that word. No, it's Mickey Mouse, mate. It's Mickey Mouse. Um, It works for car racing. It doesn't work, in my mind, for bike racing. Uh, It's my opinion, and we'll, we'll see how it works. We'll see how it plays out. I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, but here's my opinion on that. Um... World Superbikes has two races a day uh, or over the weekend. And, um, you know, uh, the, the, the same grid is for both races. Uh, and I can understand that you might want to do things differently for the second race. Um, and, and I would say that wherever you finish in race one could be your starting grid for race two. That I would like. But the way they've got it planned is that they're reversing tops. You know, they're reversing sort of several dry riders that get an advantage if they finish between fourth and ninth and so on and so forth. And all it's going to do in my mind is create confusion for the viewer and a nightmare for the commentators. So that's probably why I hate it is because it's very hard as a commentator <clears throat> to explain that Nicky Hayden, who won the first race, is so much faster than the guy he's just passed because he qualified two seconds, you know, whatever. Right. And I just think, it, and if you're watching it, <clears throat> if you watch all motorsport, you're expecting to see a race. And when you see a reverse grid, um, you know, what Nicky said was that, you know, because of the, you know, because the, the guys will be through within the first lap or so because bike racing is so much easier to pass. In car racing, like the Toyota Racing Series, the guys who are faster and a reverse grid, we have top eight. Top, we have a marble draw, so it can be top eight, top six, or top four reversed. 
So it works because if you won the race and you start eighth, um, there's a good chance that we're going to see how well you can pass other cars on a narrow circuit because that's real skill. Whereas on a bike, if you're faster, it's really, you know, to be honest, it doesn't take that much to pass. It's my opinion, um, and I think it's going to be hard for the commentary team to have to explain all the time, you know, what to expect the outcome of the race, even though one guy's starting ninth, he's probably going to win. Well, yeah, well, so Les, you have a funny look on your face. Do you disagree? I, I do somewhat. I mean, I, I like the excitement of more passing at the beginning. You know, I, I think that adds to the start of the race. Yeah, I understand what you and Nikki are saying, but let's jub, jubble, jungle, <laughs> juggle it up. Easy for you to say. Easy for you to say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's juggle it up, and let's really kick off the race, the second race, with more excitement. Because, to me, okay, Nikki, you know, whoever won the first race, here we are at the second race, and they're liable to just jump out and run away again. And, you know, that that can be exciting at times, but I like the idea of making the field have to go through more passing with the entire grid. I'd like to see almost maybe not the entire grid reversed, but uh, to pull those from the back up a little ways. Well, we'll see. I think the best way to do this, to settle this argument, is to let it play out and see what happens. So it's going to be fun to watch. All right. All right, so I want to talk about some, right. I want to talk some Formula One now, boys. Um, there was a couple of stories. Not, not a whole lot going on too much yet, but there's a couple of stories. Um, you got the first crash car of the season. Well, that's true. Uh, what was that? That was Vettel, right? Mr. Vettel had a little slippery time and uh, took his car out of the practice. And uh, <laughs> That testing they were doing over there. Yeah, Where was that? It was uh, Hareth, I believe. And yeah. So, yeah, Mr. Vettel did not start off well this time. But, uh, you know, that that's going to be that. You know, uh, and then you've got Daniel Ricciardo talking about this year's going to be good. And he's got that kind of sly smile, but somewhat poker-faced, kind of trying to yeah, cats meow. We're going to keep it a little bit quiet, but you can tell something's going on, and he just has an extra bit of confidence, it seems. So maybe it will. Well, yeah, and you know, I'd like to follow up on that. I agree. Uh, I think it's going to be a great season of Formula One. Um, we've got quite a few unknowns from Magnussen uh, to Lance Stroll to the improvement of Red Bull, which you were alluding to there with Ricardo, because where Adrian Mu- uh, Newey the designer for Red Bull has always made his money is when the rules change, which they have this year. Um, he comes up with the best design to meet new rules and is the quickest and most innovative designer in Formula One. And he's very much glued to Red Bull. And so I think it's um, it's going to be I think if anybody's going to step up, it will be Red Bull again because they were very competitive at the end of last year. As you know, I think Ferrari have to improve. Um, I think Mercedes will still be the team to beat, um, but everybody's grappling with new rules, bigger tires and, uh, you know, slower speeds, but faster cornering, uh, more downforce. It's going to be interesting because there's a lot more parameters. And I just hope um, come Melbourne, um, it kind of just, you know, tips the apple cart a bit. Well, you know, I got to say, they're also, if I recall correctly, they're messing with the brake rotors, too. So they're going to be thinner. Now and now you've made all these changes, put bigger tires out on the end of that. That's uh, there's it's quite be. a lot of dynamics, and you know, Jonathan, you may have called it right. M- Mr. Newey may be the guy to uh, figure out that combination first. Yeah, it's going to be cool to watch. What about Haas F1, Jonathan? I mean, uh, coming into yeah, think, this year you know, versus I last think, uh, year. 
Yeah, I think Lee Diffie on our pre-Christmas show summed it up when he said, you know, they've had their they've had their honeymoon. <laughs> I, I think everybody was kind and every, and they did unbelievably successfully. Um, but can they repeat? Um, can they continue the form? Um, I think they can, and I said it. Uh, I think they've got. I think in Magnuson, they've got genuinely somebody who is going to be more competitive. I think than Gutierrez was, um, and I think Magnuson knows that this. He's been to four teams now. This is his last chance to make it, and he's got a fantastic benchmark in Grosjean um, in terms of. They're both very good drivers, and I think that's a massive thing. And Gutierrez, don't get me wrong, is a very good driver too, but he struggles, we all know, uh, to get as many points uh, as Grosjean, uh, and it was always going to be tough that first year. Um, I, I hope that Gene Haas just keeps his foot on the pedal in terms of investment, and you know, um, and they've been working hard on the 2018, uh, 2017 car because it, this is a big year. Um, remember, they had no sponsorship on the side of the car. We now have new American owners, so there's a bit more light from the American end of, of uh, on Formula One in terms of it being shined on Haas. So um, they continue to be successful in NASCAR, but you know, can they step it up now in, in Formula One and, and get more than 28 points than they did last year. Yep. I I don't know. I, I'm not as... Uh, I'm just worried this year because it, it would be a real shame if they went through this entire year with I don't know. I hate to say it, but like no points, but it could happen. Well, last year we were we were kind of expecting last year to have either little or no points. Okay, but you realize, you know, once they're solidly into the racing season, they can't make very substantial changes to the cars. And so think about all the data they collected last season, and now they can go back and they can make those, you know, changes that they wanted to or they discovered throughout all of last season. And so uh, I'm not going to cut them short yet. It wouldn't surprise me if they come in. Uh, you know, this year we'd like to see them, you know, pretty consistently mid to a little closer to the front. But uh, I think that would be a reasonable, reasonable pace. What do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, I think, I, to be honest, I have no fear that they will move forward. I mean, they're a very professional outfit. And I actually think they proved all of Formula One doubters wrong because everybody said they couldn't do it on four different uh, continents, i.e. having a base in both England, uh, Italy, and, of course, America. But that's the way of modern technology. Of course you can do that, and you can race around the world uh, while having those different um, you know, bases. So I think they are the ultimate modern Formula One team, and I think they may they may catch a few people out again. Well, I I like that optimism, and I like I mean that's more than optimism. That's some some logic behind that. So I hope you're right, and because it was a blast watching them last year score some points, and I really hope that happens again. So, uh, guys, I want to talk about a couple of things. We had somebody actually tweet at us about there's some a couple of news stories about Formula One here in Austin. One of them being. Um, how, you know, every year the Formula One team gets the Formula One team, the the uh, Circuit of the Americas gets uh, a distribution from the state of Texas and it's major the, event trust fund. Yeah, major right. event trust fund, just like the Super Bowl. And now got. it's actually reimbursement fund. It's yeah, they the changed fund. the name of it a little bit. It's actually controlled by the the governor now, the governor's office versus the comptroller. Um, they they uh, the 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 first story about that is that it that is no longer a public number. Which is kind of interesting. Now, is that for everyone, or is that just for the Formula One? You know, the story that I saw talked about specific business negotiations, and it may be up to each individual transaction 
So I don't know for sure. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have somebody else's, you know, you can't any, you can no longer look in there and see what was negotiated for it. Uh, that could do different things. You know, that could kind of squelch the program itself, uh, which funds, you know, the Super Bowl. Right. Was one of them. Uh, NBA top four. A whole bunch of things. Uh, all those kind of things. There's a huge equestrian event up there. But uh, it, it may actually impact uh, F1's business side of it. Yep. So I can kind of understand it. Being the nosy body, I want to know it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm just gonna say, And being a taxpayer, you'd want to know it. That's what I think it'll annoy a taxpayer who may not agree with, you know, how the tax money's being spent. Well, wait a minute. i got to respond to that just right quick. The short version is the money that's in that fund did not come from us taxpayers here locally. That's it's right. generated by folks that visit the state of Texas and bring revenue to the state. And there's lots of ways to argue that, but it is a reimbursement of taxes. The other story, it's going to give it 30 seconds because that's all it deserves, is there's some senator who's trying to eliminate that fund, a Texas state senator. I think that senator's probably just, you know, trying to make a name for themselves and say, I'm standing up for the taxpayer. Well, no, not, not when... Uh, the, the investment. That's that, sad. You really don't understand it. Do yeah. You? All right, guys. So we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're excited because we got uh, 24-hour Le Mans winner Jeff Siegel joining us right after the break. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas, after these messages. Hi, I am an official Texas license plate from MyPlates.com, and I'm here to say it's time to get personal, people. Tell the world who you are with a personalized plate from MyPlates.com, like me. I'm talking favorite color, favorite team, favorite charity, and of course, favorite state, Texas. Add your own message, and then the magic really happens. I'm the official Texas license plate from MyPlates.com, and I want to be your license plate. Go to MyPlates.com and order me today. Now that's what I'm talking about. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Want to drive your car at speed on Circuit of the Americas? Edge Addicts is your source for more Coda events and more Coda track time. Whether you're looking to host your own event or just be a part of the action, Edge Addicts can get you in the driver's seat and racing like a pro. All levels of drivers and all types of cars are welcome, with instructors available for first-time and novice drivers. Life is short, and adventure is around every corner. So plan your high-adrenaline experience with Edge Addicts at edgeaddicts.com. Edge Addicts, it's better when you're driving. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Here, when you need us, Talk 1370 is the right choice.
Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Speaking Live from Austin, Texas, we are fired up. As you guys know, we're right down the road from Circuit of the Americas, and we're about to have a guest who's raced on Circuit of the Americas, amongst other places, including winning the 24 Hours of Le Mans. So he does okay. <laughs> he does okay. Yeah, he's not He's not bad. He's not a bad driver. He's, working, he's racing for uh, Michael Shank Racing right now. We want and, to and I want to highlight, as one thing, He's American. He's American. <laughs> He's American. He's from Rattleboro in Philadelphia. Freedom. All right, we want to welcome to the show Jeff Siegel. Jeff, welcome to Speed City. Hey, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm very excited to talk, to talk with you guys. All righty. Hey, uh, you know, like I said, we're, we're right down from Circuit of Americas. It's beautiful. You've, you've had some good times here. Uh, tell us about uh, what's new with your cars this year. We've seen some rule changes in, in some of the classes. What's going on with those? Well, for us, everything's new. We're racing the new Acura NSX GT3. It's our first year with this car. Uh, first time that this car ever turned a wheel in a race was at the 24 Hours of Daytona just uh, two, three weeks ago. So pretty much a season full of firsts. Um, and so far, having a blast with Michael Shank Racing and developing this new car along with Acura Motorsports. Uh, you know, everything is everything is new. Everything is exciting. You know, every time I get in the car, we have huge developments. And uh, we're really looking forward to getting into the thick of the season here and really hitting our stride and starting to unlock the performance that this car has. So last year I hung out with some car that was touted to be only 40 inches tall back in life. This year I'm going to hang out with these guys. <laughs> well, you know, I watched you guys at the Daytona 24. And now was it your car, was it the one where you got, obviously you guys taking a brand new car and doing as well as you did at Daytona was phenomenal. But I did notice there were all kinds of parts flying off that body, body panels coming off the Acura. Was that your car? No, that was uh, that was my teammate uh, Andy Lally in the '93 car, and you know I have to say that the, the 24 hours a lot can happen um, with all the rain that we had. You know, a, yeah. a, even more can happen, um, and we had our share of uh, of you know sort of dings and incidents throughout the race. Nothing substantial, but you sort of lean on people and rub on people, and it happened. Uh, and I think that the hood flying off of that car was more. Uh, you know, a result of some earlier contact in the race and had loosened some things up and was packing air under there. Um, but our car, the, the 86 car, we finished fifth place, um, which was great for the debut of, of this program. Oh, that's uh, phenomenal. But even better was that we won the endurance uh, endurance championship component of this race. So the way that IMSA does this is there's sort of a championship within a championship. They look at the, the four long endurance races. So you have the 24 hours of Daytona, the 12 hours of Sebring, the six hours at Watkins Glen, and then Petit Le Mans. Um, and they pay uh, different types of points for waypoints during the race so at half distance for example they give out points and for us we won that we won that by virtue of the fact that we led a lot of that race so it was great to win that uh, that component it puts us in a good position for the endurance championship which would be something nice to fight for but i guess the part that stings a little bit is that we led a lot of that race and then at the end you know to leave daytona without a trophy without a shiny new watch um you know that's never a great feeling after leading so much it is and you know i tease about it but i love coming to see you know here we are acura back in you know for one that's yeah. one of my favorite street cars way back when and and i'm anxious to see it i haven't seen it in person yet but to have them on the track uh, it quite honestly is even more valuable because i'm not going to get an acura yet and i got jay leno and and jerry seinfeld ahead of me at least <laughs> and so uh but what are these you know tell us you've driven quite a variety of cars what is the physical attributes of this car 
to you as a driver that make it stand out? I think I think the biggest thing is that I mean blanket statement. It's a very high tech car, um, and that carries for the street car as well as the race car. Um, so it's one of the newest GT3 cars out there, and I think that as a result of that, we probably have the most sophisticated aerodynamics of any of the cars out there. So our car is making a lot of downforce when you look at it. The body shape is very purposeful. The rear diffuser is enormous. The rear wing is huge. The front splitter on the car is is very powerful. So. You know, everything on that car is done for a reason. Um, and when you look at how close the car resembles the, the street car, it's actually quite close. So when you look at that racing DNA in the street car, you know, it's a pretty tight link there. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very cool to have cutting edge stuff. You know, we're sort of uh, learning as we go here. There's a lot of stuff that hasn't been done before that we're doing on this NSX GT3 and trying to figure it out and fine tune it and, and get the most out of it. But it's, uh, you know, I'd always rather have that potential for more performance as we start to understand how to better use these tools than to have something sort of plain and crude and you know and you got what you got yeah and you know what on top of that it is a gorgeous car uh you know i'm looking at all the photos i mean i obviously it stood out at daytona big time uh, because you guys were leading the race a bunch and and doing so well but it is a fantastic looking car too well and i think that's one of the great things about sports car racing right now and you look back you know, through certain time periods, you know, people identify like golden years of, of racing. And I think, you know, you'd be crazy if you didn't think we were in one right now. When you look at the field, even just in the GT class, and the GT Daytona class that we competed, just the, the depth of the manufacturers that you have there, the, the strength of the driver lineups and the teams and the manufacturers that are backing these programs, it's awesome. But the even cooler part is you walk up and down the pit lane and up and down the grid, they're all cars that I would want. They're all cars yeah. that I would kill to have in my garage, and that's super, super cool. You know, that leads me to a question. You got so you talk about how this is very similar to the to the road car. So, do they give you one for the road? Is what I want to know. <laughs> I'm still working on that. that I was going to say, wait a question, minute. My my first day on the job, and uh, and and that was met with a you know yeah keep dreaming. But I'm thinking <laughs> if we do a good enough job, it'll happen. You know, I. I we're standing there at FEMA, and I was, you know, I was trying to work up the courage to ask, so when am I getting my NSX? And there was, uh, you know, a little Honda Grom, the, the motorcycle. And yeah. I think it was suggested that that might be more <laughs> Yeah, so. more luck for that. Hey, those are cool. I like those. Those are fun, so, too. I got passed by one on the highway. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> those are very cool, but they're not as cool as an NSX. No, you're, no way. No way. No, you're right. Hey, uh, so, Jeff, we have our, our, our correspondent, Jonathan Green, our co-host. I'm calling correspondent because he's down in New Zealand right now, and he's, he's IMing me, texting me, going, please, I want to ask Jeff Siegel a question. So, Mr. Green, down in New Zealand, what is your question for, uh, for Jeff Siegel? <laughs> hey, hey, Jeff, how you doing? Spectacular. How about yourself? Awesome. Um, you'll be very jealous, I'm sure, to hear this, but uh, I, I was literally going to ask you the question that you've already answered, but I want to talk some more about it. Uh, and and it, to me, to be a driver in your era must be so exciting, manufacturer-wise. Last night, uh, I was at a special evening as a tribute to the former uh, Ferrari and Ford driver, Chris Amon, uh, hosted by Jackie Hicks, of all people. Uh, so that was pretty exciting because I'd never met Jackie. Um, but, you know, he was talking about, everybody talks about the 60s as a golden era when Ford and Ferrari uh, and, you know, Porsche were at their, their top. And I look at this era and I think the same. I mean, Porsche are just hitting it out the park. You've got Acura coming in. You've got, you know, the manufacturers are back engaged in racing. And it must be so exciting for you for a, as a driver. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I keep pinching myself because you know when you, you when you look at the history of racing, you know, it comes in cycles and it doesn't last forever. Um, so it's it's really exciting to be a part of it. But I have to say, I'm definitely, I guess, more enthused about you know the historical aspect of the sport because when you look at the cars, they were so brutal. Um, and and the thing is, as sophisticated as our cars are now they're they're capped in terms of performance mostly for safety reasons so when you look at our acura nsx race car it has a lot less technology than the street car it has a lot less power than the street car and i understand why that's done and you know i think that the, the sanctioning bodies need to do that but i have you know a whole lot more excitement looking back at some of the cars that raced at Le Mans back in the 60s and the 70s and how brutal they were for the drivers and you know, the the workout that the drivers had, I mean, you know, our Acura NSX, it's a great car to drive. We got power steering, we got air conditioning, you know, we got all this stuff to maximize the performance by the drivers and it's necessary and it helps. But, you know, you think back when when the guys and girls were driving cars with an H pattern gearbox and no power steering and doing two hundred and thirty miles an hour at Le Mans, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I couldn't agree more. One of the things, folks, you know, here is another example. Jeff has the background that we talk about. Start off, you know, in a cart. You know, I know that you spend some time in carts just to keep yourself tuned and things like that. We've been promoting it as a development for uh, young drivers coming up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the, you know, the place where you're going to learn your craft. Um, but it's also a tremendous amount of fun. I mean, there's nothing more direct and connected and visceral in a cart and it also beats the hell out of you you know just the (laughs) g-forces that you have the intensity the the reaction time that you need to have essentially if you can drive a cart quickly you can drive almost anything quickly so it's uh it's a key in terms of learning the right skill sets that you need and for me it's a great way to stay sharp because what i just said exactly applies in the winter if i can be on my game and i can run for 30 or 40 minutes in a cart and keep my lap times fast and not make any mistakes, and doing it in the car, everything happens a lot slower, and everything's a lot easier. Yeah, and uh, and it is fun to watch. You know, I've seen so many of you guys come up through karting, and it's fun to see that progression. But I want to ask you next, Jeff, I want to ask about the rest of the season in IMSA, and obviously we, what, we've got Sebring in, in a month, and what you guys are are you know hoping to change in the car to, after what you found out in Daytona and what you expect for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're all very optimistic. Um, we knew going into Daytona that that was going to be a really tricky race, and I think you bring the same. When you have such a new car, you don't know what your weaknesses are until you race it. And, you know, it's hard to learn a lot of these lessons until you do 24 hours at Daytona. Um, so now I think we have a fair bit more confidence getting through that race and looking pretty good and finishing pretty well. Um, that's nice. It's good for the confidence and it's well-deserved by everybody at, uh, at Honda Performance Development and at Acura Motorsports. But when we go to Sebring, it's a different challenge. It's half the, the length in terms of time, but the track is just brutal. It's bumpy and it's a lot more uh, complicated for the driver. It's a lot harder on the equipment than anything we have at Daytona. So, that's a new challenge. We've got to survive that one. And then I think we've learned a tremendous amount more about our car. And the rest of the year, it's really about executing. It's about polishing our car and getting the little details out of it, fine-tuning the setups, trying to extract a little bit more performance. And from the driver's side, not making any stupid mistakes. we got to collect points. We're here for a championship. And, you know, it's a long season. 
Well, I know, speaking of drivers, uh, you and Oz Negri in the 86, and Andy, Andy Lally and Catherine Legg in the 93, that that looks like a like an all-pro, all-star lineup, my friend. That's that's awesome. Oh, we have a lot of fun together. Uh, I mean, Oz and I get along really well. We're both living in Miami right now, so we're able to sort of, you know, compare notes and train and spend some time together in between the races, but we have a very similar driving style, and we're looking for similar stuff. Uh, but I think the, the nicest thing about Michael Shank Racing is there's this really high level of professionalism when it comes to campaigning these cars, but everybody has a good time as well. You know, it's a cozy atmosphere. There's no ego. You know, what you see is what you get, and I think that's really important when you're developing a new car like this Acura NSX GT3. I mean, the biggest complaint that I could have about my teammates are Andy and uh, Catherine. They're both vegans, which I find pretty weird. But other than that, everything's great. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We'll take you to barbecue if you have to yeah, get you, away you and get some. come to Austin. Some. We'll take care of you on that, that front. Uh, hey, i got to no, ask no, you. i got I got I to give a little plug there. Yeah. When I come to Austin, the food is great, but there is a little little hole-in-the-wall taco place right by the racetrack there. I mean, that place is mega. I have never had better tacos than that. So, to <laughs> me, that's when I think coming to Coda, I think I'm going to get some good tacos. I'm going to take him over to Juan in a Million. Yeah, and there just, you go. But, but only get him that one taco that's <laughs> six of anybody else's. Hey, Jeff, i got to ask you this. Man, Race of Champions, that's awesome. You're in Race of Champions. That looked like a blast. I watched almost the whole weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was a blast. I was there as a spectator, and it was it was good fun, but I left there thinking like, okay, well, what do I have to do? Who, who do I have to talk to to compete in that? I mean, it looked looked pretty rowdy, and being in my hometown uh, at the moment in Miami, you know, I need I need to be competing next year. Yeah, you need to get, you need to get behind it, the wheel. So it's going to be in Miami next year as well. well. That was the rumor was that it was a multi year contract, and we had a good turnout. I mean, Miami is a you know very international city. You have a lot of drivers that live here, True. mostly because. You know, in the in the winter months, you're able to continue training and driving and karting and doing all the testing. So uh, it's a very motorsport oriented city. Well, you know, I, I hate to argue with a guest, but I could say all of that about Austin. <laughs> you, you are right. Although I got to tell you, I've been testing in Austin in November and December, and I've seen ice. That's not really conducive to uh, to a testing environment. So I love Coda. I love coming out there. I actually spend a fair amount of time there. Between oh come on! And testing and driving <laughs> programs, but you know, weather can be a little extreme there. He's, he's talking about training and endurance and all these things, and a little ice scares him. Gee. It is yeah. pretty. It is yeah, pretty we don't rare. Have snow tires. Continental makes a great rain tire and a great dry tire, but they don't make a snow tire for us. <laughs> hey, so folks, one of the things Michael Shanks got a great group of racers in all the different classes and you know we want to be sure and invite you out may 5th and 6th they will be here at circle of americas uh be sure and go by and meet michael shank's team it's awesome that's one of those races where you pretty much get run of the paddock area you can walk up stand at the ropes at the edge of the of the uh, garages the drivers a lot of times make time to stand out and talk to you and uh, you know, honestly, I you know nothing on Jeff, but I enjoy talking to the mechanics. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, because they can give you all the dirt about us. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But uh, but it is. Hey, I got to ask Jeff one question. We know he doesn't drive an Acura NSX every day. He might be getting a Grom soon. But but what's your usual daily ride? Oh man, I'm I'm a, I'm a car junkie. I'm a car addict. And, uh, Excellent. I, I, I tend to like the older stuff. I tend to like the stuff that's a little bit more, you know, more connected and more visceral. So a uh, couple of different project cars that are in flux here. But uh, ironically, this works out really well for my current gig with uh, with the Acura program. 
one of the first cars I ever drove on the racetrack and one of the cars that I remember the most fondly was an Integra Type R. Um, you know, Halo nice, car from right. early 2000s from Acura. And yep. That's a car that I would love to put back in my garage. I'm working on that right now. So if they won't give me an NSX, I'll, I'll do it myself. I'll get myself an Integra Type R. You know what? That That's such a good point. And you, the word you brought up, Halo, is that manufacturers just, they don't, I don't think they give enough credit to the what Halo cars do for their brand. Like the, the Subaru WRX. I mean, Subarus were such a granola car before the <laughs> WRX. They came out with, and, and Acura, you know, it was a luxury car. And then they came out with the Integra with what, a like 8,500 RPM redline or whatever it was. That, that Those are, that's a great car. Well, Jeff Siegel, thank you for coming on Speed City. We really appreciate it. We want to wish you the best of the luck. That Acura is a gorgeous car and obviously it's very fast so i'm sure you guys are going to do great for the rest of the season thank you very much guys i really appreciate it i look forward to seeing you and everybody that's listening down there at coda when we uh, when we arrive with the imsa series and make sure you come on by come check out our nsx gt3 we'd be happy to show you around travel Fantastic. safe buddy thanks jeff appreciate right. it. Good luck at sebring too thank you all right, guys. Well, we got to take a break. It was awesome having Jeff Siegel on the phone. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more, a little of everything, a little two wheels and four wheels. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. Back after. Welcome to Name Your License Plate. I'm Biff Biffington. All right, Mary Lou, for the cash, the trip, and a new car, name your license plate. Easy. My plate is ADD24. ACL, ATM, ABC, ACDC, AAA. I can't remember my plate. You should have gotten a personal Texas plate from MyPlates.com. They're so memorable. And I could have saved 40% with a five-year commitment. Be a winner and order your personalized license plate from MyPlates.com. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. The racetrack. It's where legends are born. Where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey. Because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Talk 1370, the right choice. This is Danny Walker from American Super Camp and the Broaster Chicken Road Race Factory team, and you are listening to Speed City, so get your elbows up. <laughs> Welcome back to Speed City. Yes, we are right down the road from Circuit of the Americas, and we are so excited about that IMSA race in May. Uh, that's going to be... I love the fact... Uh, it, it's weird. In the years past, when we had both IMSA and WEC at Coda at the same weekend in September. Yeah, I made a great day of racing, a full day. You know, we get, IMSA got started at like 11 in the morning, and then, of course, WEC took over and raced into the night. But what I like about this is now we get two two weekends. Exactly. I, I actually, I think this is a lot better. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is cool. And, and, you know, I actually got to talk to one of the racers uh, this week. I went to an event, 
And uh, it was neat seeing one of the racers there just talking about the excitement of having all of that going on. And you still have the Pirelli World Challenge as well. So lots of sports car time. Yep. So, Mr. Green, are we still have you down there in, in New Zealand? Heck yeah. You're still connected. I was just a little worried. I heard a little static a minute ago. So, um, you know, I know we were talking about the uh, Jeff Siegel and the guys in, uh, and that Acura and stuff. But, you know, this brings to mind really about sports car racing in general. About I, It just feels like it's gaining so much momentum over the last few years. Would you agree? Yeah, and to be honest, that was going to be another question for him, which is um, especially GTs. And as you know, I'm involved in GT racing in Asia um, and, and Macau as well. And, you know, I, you know, we've had this resurgence of WEC, uh, which is, you know, greatly celebrated here in the States, uh, the Circuit of the Americas, and I'm loving it, every minute of it. Of it. Uh, IMSA's going through the roof now that they've, um, you know, unified uh, the WeatherTech series and so on. Brilliant. And, and Le Mans, you know, the prestige of Le Mans and the drivers attracted, like Nico Hulkenberg and several others, Weber and so on and so forth. Um, I, you know, I'm wondering now if there's room for a more global GT series, you know, um, because GT racing is, and, and it's funny, the choice of the, the drivers here at the Toyota Racing Series, uh, you know, is, is sometimes not not necessarily Formula One as their path, because um, they now see professional racing, um, GT cars as, as the way forward to make a career in racing. So it's exciting times, and I think you're going to see more prevalence in high-end, um, I mean, we've just been talking about the Acura, but high-end production cars that are the flagship of each manufacturer, um, you know, these supercars will be the future of racing, I think. Yep, and I think that they, the popularity of... I mean, look how much coverage we're getting with Fox Sports uh, from EMSA and WEC. I, I mean, that's to me, that just proves that the popularity is going up. If they're, if they're doing all this coverage, then there's a demand there, and I, I just think it's fantastic for our sport. But, hey, Les Kaiser, speaking of uh, really cool streetcars, I know you... You started sending me photos of dashes going, do you know what this is? What's this car? What, what was this? I'm annoying that so way, aren't I? this new car, that, this is a brand new car. It was over 700 horse. It's actually 712. So, you know, which yeah. the first thing that came to my mind when you said this new car has 712 horsepower, I'm thinking, okay, that's five more than the Hellcat, which was like number four on the highest horsepower production, production yeah. cars. So this, whatever this is, leapfrogged it. What did you go see yesterday? Well, I got invited out to the reveal of the 2017 Bentley Continental Supersports. A Bentley with 712? Bentley, <laughs> 700 plus horsepower, 750 foot-pounds of torque. Oh, and this thing just roars. I love it. It's got the crackle to it. Uh you know, and I'll say in a, in a very uh, in a very pleasing way, it's rather unbentley like. Yeah. In that when that roar comes to life, and uh, this is over oh, at, at I just Bentley love of Austin, late European. You know, uh, yeah, the Bentley dealership. You know, it is uh, just spectacular. You know, it's only going to be their limited time. Uh, that's one of the prototypes that they've released, and it's coming around on parade. And because of the volume that uh, Bentleys that are sold right here. They uh, they got it. Well, I'll be I'll look forward to my test drive. I know that I talked to Sonny. He said I could come by. He said you and Jonathan 
uh, he, he really didn't trust y'all, but he said he'd let me take it out. So I'll, yeah, I'll have it, he I'll have said it all something about that. Uh, kind of like Jeff, he said he has a Grom. That's <laughs> a Grom for me. Little Honda Grom. You're going to look like a grasshopper on a flea. All right. So what else we got stories? So I, I, and I know that the uh, some of the stories in Formula One have been about the the downforce and the, the wider tires. I mean, obviously, several different things that are going to make this this season a little different. And Jonathan, what about the uh, you know, they're saying the lap times are going to be faster. I mean, are you what have you heard about that? I thought it was going to be slower, but um, I, that doesn't bother me either way. And, it, and, and I mean, really, you know, we've gone since we've gone away from the sort of turbo days uh, from the um, the V8 days and, uh, you know, bigger engines. I, I Lap times don't bother me. And I don't it, everybody gets uptight about that. And I think especially Americans because of Indy's background of fastest laps and the way it's done in ovals and the Indy 500, um, <clears throat> as long as it's a spectacle. Um, and as long as everybody's, you know, going at the same pace and there's not one guy outpacing everybody, I mean, we're talking about a downforce increase of more than 20% for this year's Formula One. Um, so I think we're going to see certain places like Spa where well, with that kind of downforce and the cornering at, at Spa uh, and even the Circuit of the Americas, I think it's going to be very interesting through turns two, three, four and five and then up the hill at the Circuit of the Americas, for example, because that's a lot more downforce you know you're, i'm with you on that the nose is going to be significantly longer this year uh you know the diffusers are, are growing but the one that gets my attention are the tires the front tires will be almost two and a half inches wider and the rear tires are 3.1 inches and, and up to 405 millimeter that from 325 to 405 that's a huge increase that's a huge increase and you know what this reminds me of this gets me back into the 70s mode where we saw the giant wide tires yeah. on F1 cars. And I loved that look. The uh, The back end of the car is going to have a little bit lower wing and a little bit wider. So that should be interesting as well. I'm, uh, I'm loving almost the retro kind of styling of it. The wings aren't you know way up high as, as they kind of went if you compare the wing heights uh, through history. I like those in the 70s. You know what? I, it is definitely going to be very retro with that huge tire, though. That's going to be that's going to be a big deal. But yeah, you're right, Jonathan. I think most of the consensus is that it will be slower. But yeah, I, I'm I have never been caught up in you know historic lap times. Well, last year we're you know we were a second faster. You know the things that, that people get upset about are when they go, well, I used to love the sound of the V10 or the V8, and I'm see the lap times that. were faster, but. Uh, I you know competitive racing is really what it's all about anyway. So it is, but the well, roar. I, I I still I still disagree with one thing. I think they got to bring. The, I don't care whether it's synthetic or how it is, but they got to bring the noise back. The, the the sheer fright of seeing or hearing. Uh, we've been talking. Um, one of the champions of New Zealand is racing in Super Formula this year. Uh, for Toyota and Super Formula, which is the old, uh, which is the the new version of Formula Nippon, the sort of single seater top version in Japan. Well, those things are screamers and they are deafening, and I, and, and I think it's part of the motorsports uh, single seater spectacle is to have this noise, this rumble. Um, and you know, you were mentioning it there with Bentley. Um, I think um, you know. I think that's what it's all about. Yeah, we'll see. All right, guys. Well, we are out of time. We appreciate you tuning in to Speed City this week. No fair using car speakers to make that noise. 
Thanks to Jeff Siegel coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Good luck to you this week, this season, and uh, check us out, speedcitybroadcast.com. Talk to you next week. Travel safe, everyone. Let's jump in my The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Views and opinions expressed are those of the host or their guests and are not necessarily those of Talk 1370 or... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.